being on stage for me has is, is never been like, a, oh no, I don't, you know, are they going to like my body? Is this going to be too much? It's, it's more like I'm giving the audience the privilege of being able to try on what it's like to not impose societal standards on people. Welcome to Wild and Sublime, a sexy spin on infotainment, no matter your preferences, orientation, or relationship style. Based on the popular live Chicago show, each week I'll chat about sex and relationships with citizens from the world of sex positivity. You'll hear meaningful conversation, dialogues that go deeper, and information that can help you become more free in your sexual expression. I'm sex educator Karen Yates. Today we talk with fat burlesque artists and models Karina Shero and Jezebelli about their experiences in the public eye. We also explore the impact of censorship restrictions of Fosta Sesta and chat about natural hair. Keep listening. If you're a Wild and Sublime fan and love what we do, consider joining the Afterglow, our Wild and Sublime community on Patreon. You get a bonus Q&A session with experts every month where you get to ask the questions my unvarnished audio creator notes, and the sassy, wild and sublime coffee mug. Plus, in April, all new or established members receive 25% off recurring guest Corinne Diachuk's Yoga for Sexual Happiness course. This fantastic series with 16 videos and eight pleasure practices help integrate body, breath, and spirit. Take advantage of this offer by signing up on Patreon as a Wild and Sublime member for as little as $5 a month. Don't miss this very cool offer that you can do in the comfort of your own home. And if a monthly membership is not your thing, consider throwing a few bucks in the tip jar in appreciation for our work. More info is in the show notes. Hey folks, welcome to Season 2, Episode 19, Fat and Sexy. We have had a bunch of people this past week join our Patreon program and contribute to our tip jar, which has been really gratifying and keeps us going and growing. And speaking of growing, yesterday we hit 5,000 downloads. That feels like a total milestone, and I want to thank all the people who have been listening for getting us to this point. Today on this episode from the November 2019 show at Constellation in Chicago, we'll be talking a bit about fat positivity and liberating the fat body from the skinny and white lens of dominant cultural standards of beauty. You'll be hearing from two folks. First, fat creator and community maker, model, burlesque performer, and photographer, Karina Shero. Karina, who is also an Instagram influencer with over a half million followers, is the producer of the Femme Fatales burlesque shows. I'll also be interviewing Jezebelli, one of the members of the Femme Fatales. In addition to performance, Jezebelli, also known as Iridescence, creates images of herself in historical attire and in doing so challenges ideas of race and weight in that arena. And for the record, Jezebelli was exploring this long before Bridgerton, okay? As someone who was fat for the first three decades of life, I remember thinking during these interviews on stage that I wished like hell I had folks like these in my life during those years to counter the complete non-acceptance I had of my own body. I think you're going to enjoy this segment. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Of course. And hi, everybody that's here. Yes. <laughs> oh, 
I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. So you told me earlier that you did not mm -hmm. make a decision to become a model, that you threw Correct. some sensual photos up on Tumblr. Mm -hmm. And in pretty short order, photographers were getting in touch with you and doing all of that. Did this surprise you? Yes, and correction. So photographers did not reach out to me right okay. away. <laughs> so I started posting about 12 years ago. I started posting on Tumblr photos of me, you know, in lingerie and like costumes where I was not fully covered. And it was all self-shot. And so for years, I actually only um, shot photos of myself because there were no photographers I wanted to shoot fat people, especially not in like a more sensual and seductive manner. That's when I realized that there was a demand, you know. I posted these photos on Tumblr and I started getting all these notes, which is like likes and reblogs, because there were not a lot of other people out there that were my size and posting, you know, themselves in a sensual manner. And after years of doing that, then photographers started reaching out to me. But um, still not like a plethora of photographers because I have PCOS and so I keep gaining weight. So I become, you know, larger and larger as I go. And the larger I become, the less photographers want to work with me. Unless it's like for some kind of a artsy freak show or something like that. Okay. Um, so I wish I had more photographers reaching out to me that were not creepy guys with a camera that have a fetish. Okay. <laughs> I forgot well, I, your initial question. So, FYI. <laughs> okay. So at a certain point, among many things that you do, you decided I'm going to start a fat burlesque troupe. Yes. Femme mm -hmm. Fatales. And you, you had success. And mm -hmm. my question is, this is what I'm, I really want to hear about. Yeah. It is vulnerable enough as a performer mm -hmm. to be on stage. It is more vulnerable to take your clothes off yes. on stage. <laughs> and now you add this whole other layer of being not a typical burlesque dancer look. Yeah. What was the experience like ultimately for you? First of all, I want to preface with that, obviously, I have privilege in that I'm white and cis and uh, mostly able-bodied. And so we have people in our troupe that have different intersections. And so for them, of course, you know, it is an even uh, larger uh, revolutionary step to, like, be on stage and share themselves. But for myself, having an entire fat burlesque troupe, and it's in the name Femme Fat House, right? Being on stage for me has is, is never been like, a, oh, no, I don't, you know, are they going to like my body? Is this going to be too much? It's, it's more like I'm giving the audience the privilege of being able to try on what it's like to not impose societal standards on people and realizing, like, oh, yes. a fat person can be sexy? Let, I, wait, yes. I just have to stop in a second. I, can you just repeat what you just said? <laughs> I want you to think about this, eh? Yes. So for me, being on stage is giving the audience the privilege, privilege. of trying on what it would be like to not adhere to and exist in the tight confines that society imposes on people and the beauty standards that are imposed on people. Because really, we're all perfect, and we've had a miseducation that teaches us that there's something wrong with our bodies, when really, there's nothing wrong with anybody. We're all perfect. Right. Yeah, right on. Absolutely. So 
Fat phobia is everywhere. We've discussed Absolutely. it. It's, mm -hmm. it's beyond available clothing size. It's yes. systemic. Yes, and it literally kills people. I mean, having your doctor refuse you diagnosis or misdiagnose, you can't sign up as a, a stem cell donor if you're fat, which literally means you're not able to save other people who might potentially not even be fat's lives. And, so. and right now, I think 67% of the population is considered overweight, right? Absolutely. So Yeah, so there's this huge donor base that they're not even tapping into to solely based on fat phobia. Okay. So in the face of that and the haters and what have you, I know your body confidence is very high, yes. but in the face of like haters and the this, this system, I'm actually really want to know on a daily basis, how do you restore center? How do you come back to balance? Yeah. How do you find yourself, how do you get back to confidence? That's an interesting question because I feel like confidence is not something that I have to seek out. It's more like having patience, like with the fact that majority of society has not caught up yet because I'm just truly fat and free. And like I said, it's a miseducation that people have that there could be something fundamentally wrong with the body. And I have the knowledge that like, we're actually all perfect. So it's not something I have to like come back to. It's just like, oh, I just need to be patient with people that need to unlearn everything that society has you know, taught them. And it's not really like the word haters for me doesn't really ring true. It's more of people have like for forever been taught that they have power over people that they see as less than. And so when it comes to bodies, when people see somebody and they think, oh, this person is fat, for instance, so I'm better than them because I'm less fat or I'm thin. And um, when you take that power away from them, when you educate them on the reality of the matter that really your opinion doesn't mean anything about me, whether it's a good or a bad opinion, your opinion is null. It has nothing to do with me over here. And so... When you know that, it's really just like waiting for people to catch up to that. Yes. So there's no haters. It's just you just don't know yet. <laughs> and you're maybe mad that I don't let your opinion over me have power. I'd like to continue the conversation with another member of the Femme Fatales. Yes. A dancer and producer in her own right who will be performing later. Let's bring on Jezebelly. Yes. As part of the, the Femme Fatales and a burlesque dancer in general, what has like, struck you listening to Karina and what's your experience of being on stage and being vulnerable and being um, a plus size dancer? Well, first of all, I want to thank you for having me <laughs> yeah, as well. What is my experience? I would say in being vulnerable, I don't feel vulnerable. That's great. Stage. I love this. I feel at my most powerful when I'm on stage, yeah, actually. I love it. Um, love it. Most of the the vulnerability would come from like an issue maybe with a costume. Like if I feel like something's gonna pop out <laughs> and I'm gonna get in trouble and get in trouble with the venue and that sort of thing. But otherwise I would say on stage is one of the places I feel the most alive and at home and present to what is happening here yeah. and now. And was it a leap for you? Was there a moment of leaping into it? Not so much. I grew up performing. I actually did praise dance as a kid, so. I'm stripping on stage now. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I like to make that joke a lot. But I'm used to, to performing, and there's always the rush of right before, you know, when yeah. you're about to go on, the jitters and the, the nerves and whatnot. But I find actually being on the stage, it just starts to, to go away, and I feel like there's so much going on and so much that I have to think about when I get on stage that I'm not thinking about, like, what is the audience going to think of my body? What is my body going to look like? Right. It's like, 
I need to remember my music and things like that. So I feel like in a way it's actually very relieving for me because that's like the one thing I don't have to focus on. Okay. Jezebeli on her Instagram, which is at Iridescence, Mm -hmm. has some amazing historical costuming. And you do a ton of historical hair styling, which is really awesome if you're into historical hair and things like that, like I am. How did you get into the historical movement, if you will? How did that happen? Well, it started with just historical spaces and fashion being like a huge aesthetic interest of mine, especially like seeing those things in cinema, but never seeing people that looked like me in those things. Um, Both at the intersection of like my size and my weight. So right now, this is, this is a wig, but I have natural hair. No, I'm fine. (laughs) This is a wig, y'all. It looks good, doesn't it? It looks great. But I have natural hair. And for those of you who might not know, having natural hair as a black woman is like, it's a big thing to do. You know, we're raised relaxing, literally, well, we call it relaxing, but it's literally breaking down the structure of our hair to make it appear straighter and looser because of European beauty standards and whatnot. And so for me, it felt really important to use my own hair, like to experiment and be able to achieve what I felt like was a historical kind of adaptation or version of these styles, I would say, without having to destroy my hair to get to that point. Or even without having to like heavily manipulate, like there's a lot of styles I'll do while I have my my still very tightly coiled natural texture in it. And I want that to be not something like, oh, we need to smooth down these edges. We need to make this look a certain way. Like, no, my hair is good as it is. And so bringing that into a historical context, if you look online, like, it's almost impossible. Like, you'll find, like, two results in the entirety of the internet of, like, somebody doing a Marie Antoinette hairstyle right. on natural hair without heat. Like, it's it literally, I'm the first person awesome. in the history yes. of, like, to, like, do that and make it accessible to others. Because I know people are doing it, but it's, it's a lot of work to make tutorials and things yeah, like yeah. that. And it doesn't feel like a big thing sometimes, but then people are like, I literally can't find anywhere else to do this. Can you make more? And it's a lot of work, but it's worth it at the end of the day. So So let's talk about your newest creation coming in 2020 is the Essence of Glamour. You're um, going to be producing Essence of Glamour, a vintage-inspired classic burlesque lounge, king on underrepresented bodies. Can you tell us a little about that? Yes, I can. (laughs) So in 2020, I'm doing a show basically, and What you will see later is how much I enjoy rhinestones (laughs) and classic aesthetics within burlesque. And I wanted to have an entire show of like that kind of vibe, but not make it necessarily exclusive to, but just definitely emphasizing people of color, people of size, people of trans experience, people of varying levels of disability and that sort of thing. So a lot of those shows that have like that high glamour kind of vintage aesthetic Mm. are primarily white and thin. Right. Or they're not curated by me, so they're just, you know. (laughs) They're boring, boring (laughs) shit, right? Just just irrelevant. (laughs) No, a lot of them are very beautiful work, and I, I know a lot of, you know, thinner performers and a lot of white performers who are also like very in support of it and they're like this is this is a thing that we we see so much but we don't get to see different kinds of bodies doing and so I wanted to have that be a show where basically in the lineup there's not a single 
person who's like thin and white <laughs> and cis. I'm like, it's my ethos kind of with that is that if you're if you're gonna be that, you really need to like go out of your way to impress me because like this show is for like people like me and for me. So yes. We'll return with more of this interview in a moment. Wild and Sublime is also sponsored in part by our Sublime supporter, Chicago-based Full Color Life Therapy. Therapy for all of you at fullcolorlifetherapy.com. If you would like to be a Sublime supporter, showcasing you and your business and supporting us at the same time, contact us at info at wildandsublime.com. Now we return to our interview with Karina Shero, where she talks a little bit about FOSTA-SESTA, the 2018 legislation that originally attempted to curb sex trafficking, but is now routinely used to censor free speech involving sex on the internet. Okay, to wrap us up, Karina, I wanna, I wanna ask you, the last time I was on stage, I talked a little bit about FOSTA-SESTA, the act designed to curb sex trafficking the federal act that's had a terrible effect on the internet around censorship and what have you. Can you briefly chat a little bit about that around, I know, I know, (laughs) the fat activists and being shut down and the shadow banning that's happening? So in the essence of time, basically any, any kind of marginalized group is being censored on Instagram and, of course, Facebook, which owns Instagram. And especially if you're an activist of any kind speaking out about the experience of any kind of marginalized group. So I'm going to speak really quick about specifically fat people. About three months ago, Instagram acknowledged in a sit-down meeting with the APAG union um, that they have a bot that's built into the algorithm that measures the skin-to-clothing ratio, which means the fatter you are as a person, the more skin surface you have. So it's inherently fat phobic having this bot built into the algorithm and which is why fat folks are disproportionately targeted by the censorship. So I have photos removed where I'm in like jeans, shorts, a button-down t-shirt and a little cowgirl hat, but I have my leg up and you can see my thigh. And so they're measuring the amount of skin that's on my thigh and to them it's like, oh, you have to be naked, of course, because there's so much skin showing, but actually I'm just super fat. It's really, really frustrating because a lot of fat folks make their living online, including myself, and I'm not able to get brand deals, sponsorships, or anything like that because my engagement is really low because the algorithm actively pushes me lower. I have not showed up in a single hashtag for three years. I constantly have Instagram deleting followers of mine, just like I'll have a photo removed and then a thousand followers are just gone within five minutes. I can't run any promotions. I can't promote any of my sites where people could buy my photos or my videos. I've been deleted seven times. This is my seventh account. I've been deactivated twice on this account and so on and so on. And it really um, affects people's livelihoods and also their ability to express themselves and have a platform. And as fat people, especially super fat people, especially people that have like big bellies and are not what we call like good fatties and are not like thick, but actually are fat everywhere, we don't really have representation in the world. So we don't get to be seen as a positive role in a movie. We are not seen in commercials or in you know anything in the media basically and so social media is the only place where we can represent ourselves the way that we want to represent ourselves and that's being taken away from us and we're consistently and constantly being silenced and told that our bodies go against community guidelines when they really don't and you look at thin people constantly posting in tiny little triangle bikinis or if you go on the playboy instagram 
There's people that literally just have a little blur over their nipple and maybe are holding a lemon over their crotular region. And that's enough. But me in like a bikini or like I said, jeans, shorts, and a button-down shirt is somehow too vulgar and hypersexualized. Okay. Yes, okay. And that's all because of FOSTA-SESTA. But basically why that's happening is because FOSTA-SESTA was passed. And so the app store now tries to only host apps that are family-friendly because they want to comply with FOSTA-SESTA and they don't want to be on the hook for anything that's on the site. But like I said, they disproportionately affect marginalized, censor marginalized people and they don't actually enact the things that they say they're going to enact when it comes to, you know, privileged, thin, white, cis, straight people. Thank you. I tried, I tried. So you know. Thank you, Karina Shero and Jezebeli, who you will see later. Thank you so much. For more information and fantastic images of Karina Shero and Jezebeli, go to their Instagram links, which are in our show notes. And we will be posting pictures from that November show this week on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where you can see Jezebelli performing on our show that night. Go to social media at Wild and Sublime. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Have a very pleasurable week. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who might be interested in this episode, send it to them. Do you like what you heard? Then give us a nice review on your podcast app. You can follow us on social media at Wild and Sublime and sign up for newsletters at wildandsublime.com. I'd like to thank associate producer Julia Williams and design guru Jean-Francois Gervais. Theme music by David Ben Porat. This episode was edited by the Creative Imposter Studios. Our media sponsor is Rebellious Magazine, Feminist Media, at rebelliousmagazine.com. 